It's been a great morning so far. So good to be here. Worship team, incredible. And uh, thank you for the nice introduction, Tom. That's the nicest thing everybody, anybody has ever said to me today. You know, so real nice. And uh, so, so glad that you're here. How many of you are enjoying the cool weather? Raise your hand. Yeah, how many of you say it's too cold? It's too cold. All right, I see some of you. All right, there you go. Protesting the weather. There we go. All right. Well, we can't do anything about it. And, um, but, man, what a crazy week. And um, I'll tell you, some of you, most of us have started school now. Um, my kids start tomorrow. So we get to celebrate getting rid of our kids, you know, just like you all did on Facebook. And you all happy. And uh, our kids start tomorrow. And uh, so I think school started now. So we're glad to be here. Good to see a number of you here. Some of you I haven't met yet, and first time with us, so glad that you're here. hope I get a chance to meet you here in a short little bit. And uh, so today I want to talk about remembrance, remembrance. And our last weekend, and I went down to the basement and I just started cleaning out some of my old memories. All my, you know, you got a memory box, and I've got a little chest, and I had to open it in so long. And, uh, and I opened up the chest, and and, um, and, and just saw all kinds of cool, different things of memory, things that took me back 20, 30 years ago. And one of the things I collected was newspaper headlines. And I had right in there the 1984 World Championship Detroit Tigers headline. I had that right there. I was able to go through it and uh, be able to look through the different things, different headlines in my life and, uh, and collect certain magazines. And, and then I found some love notes, some old love notes from my wife and I, and just looking at those love notes. And then I got deeper in the box, you know, and, and I found a three-by-five card collection, a collection of three-by-five cards, and they were on the top, it said, my salutatorian, my salutatorian, or salutatorian address to my high school when I graduated. And I'm looking through it, and that was one, you know, kind of cool that I, I still had that in a box. And I was able to reflect and to remember. And then, and then I did some more yesterday. I found a box of old pictures. How many of you like finding an old box of pictures? Yes, it's like going back into time. And I got my kids around me. And uh, we're looking at pictures 20, 25 years ago. And I said, hey, this is me. And they're looking at, they're looking at the picture. They're looking at me. And they're like, come on, who is that? And they said, no, that's me. That's really me. I'm, I'm 100 pounds less, okay? But that's me. And, and that's your grandma and papa, you know? I said, no, they don't look like grandma and papa. I said, well, you know, they've got gray hair now. And, and, and his Uncle Adam, and he said, well, Adam, Uncle Adam got hair. I said, I know. He's got no hair now. And uh, he's losing his hair. And so we're looking at all these pictures and bringing back memories. You know, pictures of... of uh, when I graduated from college and high school. And, and, and then I found some yearbooks. found one in 1983, yearbook. I was in second grade, just looking through that yearbook. And uh, just see how small I was, look at some of the classmates that I used to go to school with. They're in contact with some of them. I turned a few, turned a few page over, and, and there's Lynn Wyrick. Right? It's Lynn Barker back at the time, and Lynn Ryrick, he's in charge of our hospitality, and, and uh, she was just a little older than me. And just looking back at these pictures, you know, remembrance, remembrance. 
And we love to remember. Remembering is fun. Fun to look back at things and think of all the things that have happened in our lives. In fact, remembering something is ingrained in us. It's a part of our being. We want to remember anniversaries. Or at least some of you guys, you know, maybe you need to do a little bit better than this. But, you know, remember anniversaries and birthdays. Those special holidays. We like to reminisce over the good old days. Think about the good old times in our lives. Some of the best conversations begins with, hey, do you remember when? And you can just fill in the blank. And you can just go back into time and talk about the good memory that you had. Sometimes it's a certain smell that you come across. You know, you smell that perfume and that cologne and you think back about that first date and how your wife or your husband, you remember that smell from your first date. Or that apple pie. You smell apple pie. It takes you back. It triggers your memory to take back to grandma's house when she was cooking her apple pie. Or when you go to, you know, when you smell biscuits and gravy. For me, when I smell biscuits and gravy, it takes me back to my grandparents' house. And when we go to her house for, in the morning for breakfast and have biscuits and gravy, we go back and think about those good old days. Sometimes we remember difficult days, difficult moments. You know, for my grandparents' generation, they could tell you when and where or where they were when they heard about the bombing, and the attack of Pearl Harbor. And they could tell you to the details where they were when they heard about it. You know, when my parents' generation, they would tell you where they were when they heard about JFK and when JFK was assassinated. They'll tell you when they hear it, where they were when they heard about it. It's just a tragic memory that's ingrained in us. And my generation and older, you know, for us, we remember what happened on 9-11. We remember where it is, where we were. 17 years ago, this week, we'll have time of remembrance. We'll see documentaries on TV talking about this day, what happened. I remember where I was. I remember being at home in Pensacola, Florida. I was single. I was engaged. And, and, and Karen called me from her house and said, hey, have you heard the news? And I, you know, I had a real small salary, so I couldn't afford cable, and I, bit, you know, had the bunny ears. So I'm, I'm trying to turn the TV on to see what was going on, and 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 I didn't have the cable and all that stuff, and was very sketchy on what I could get. And so I end up going to the office at the church I work at, and um, and back then in 2001, internet was uh, dial-up. Okay, and, and everybody was crashing the internet. Uh, and so we had, I, there was a couple hours, that I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I just knew that something bad had happened. And finally, by the end of the day, as the news came pouring in, we understood the gravity of what took place on 9-11 in 2001. We remember these things. Last year, Karen and I were in New York City, and we walk around those hollow grounds of where the World Trade Center once stood. We went down to the museum. 
We spent several hours of just remembering. Remembering. We remember the good, the good times. We remember the bad times. When you remember, it's something that's really important to us. And not only is it important to us, but it's important to God. It's important to him. We see this throughout the Old Testament. We see this when God would do something incredible, perform a miracle, when he would move on his people. He would tell his people to build a statue or a memorial or to build an altar. And then he would say, hey, when someone asks you about this statue, when someone asks you about this altar or this monument, I want you to tell them what I've done. I want you to reflect on the miracle that took place at this spot. Remember what God has done. Now, if I were to tell you that when you go home today, that this would be the last opportunity that you had to speak to someone that you love. You have one last opportunity. If you knew that today was going to be your last opportunity to have this conversation or to say something to your loved one, what would you say? How would you say it? What do you want them to know? And you say, well, I hope that never, you know, I hope I don't know the future that well. You know, but Jesus did. Jesus actually had a scenario where he was sitting up in the upper room. He knew that he was about to die. He knew that his time on earth was almost done. And so he was sitting down around with his disciples in the upper room, and they were having their Passover meal. Now, Passover meal, again, that was a meal of remembrance that God put in place with the people of Israel. A Passover was remembering the, 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 what happened in Egypt 2,000 years ago at that point. How the Israelites had been delivered by, you know, from Egypt, from Pharaoh, and they, and they saw how God put in place. And so that meal was to remember their freedom. It was their freedom meal, their freedom from Egypt. By the way, Egypt is a picture of the carnal world. It's a picture of our sin. Right? And Jesus Christ, he's going to talk about this. Listen, I am going to be the new Passover. And I am going to give you not freedom from Egypt, but I'm going to give you freedom from the world of sin. And I'm going to die. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to, I'm going to lay my life down. Now, the, the, the disciples... You know, they've been hearing this message for a while from Jesus here, and, and they're not sure what to take of it. In fact, they don't like it. They're, they're, they vowed to protect Jesus, right? They said, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to protect you. But Jesus said, no, I have to do this. I have to die. And so he's done his last meal with them. They're having their Passover. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to up the game. I'm going to change everything. And the Bible says that he picked up some bread, and the Apostle Paul described this night in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Remember me every time you come to the table and break bread with God's people. I want you to remember that my body was broken for you. Verse number 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. In Jesus' last moment, he chooses to give the disciples a symbol, a picture, an act of remembrance, because he knew how critical it was for them as followers to remember who he was and what he had done. Remember. It's important to God. I want to download just one thought here. One important thought here this morning. If we can just download this in your mind, I hope that you can remember this. If you're taking notes, here it is. Remembering God's faithfulness from the past allows us to trust him in the future. Remembering what God has done in the past, his faithfulness and how faithful he has been, will allow us to trust him in the future. He's never let us down before, and surely he'll never let you down later. He is faithful. Oftentimes, we forget what God has done. We forget. We forget. We get so overcome with worry and anxiety. And we let it consume us. When the Bible said, don't worry. You know, trust in Jesus, trust in God, fear not. We forget. We forget what he's already done for us. We forget about the past and his faithfulness in the past. And we forget. It's easy for us to forget. The Israelites, God delivered them, right, from Egypt. Man, they saw the power of God. They saw God do ten plagues on the Egyptian people why they were secluded from the plagues. They saw God deliver them and walk out and walk through the Red Sea where God divided the Red Sea and they walk on dry ground. They saw that. They witnessed that. They witnessed God's GPS system, cloud by day, fire by night. They saw how God would guiding them and directing their path through the wilderness. They saw God give Moses the Ten Commandments and how Moses came down from the mountain with those commandments, with those tablets. And they saw the hand of God. They saw God moving through this whole journey. And three years after they had escaped, or after God had delivered them from Egypt, Oh, by the way, we're talking about 
You know, some scholars believe over a million people. A million people. We don't know the exact number, but we're talking about a crowd. We're not talking about a handful here. We're talking about a crowd of people that God provided. God took care of them. God showed them the way. And they get to the Jordan River after three years of walking, wandering through the wilderness. They get to the boundary lines of the promised land. They get there. There's the great river Jordan. And, 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 the, and the Israelites decided, listen, we need to send 12 spies, one from each tribe. And they need to go in and scout out the land. So Moses picked the people, he picked the 12 men, and they went into the promised land. After a few days, they came back, and 10 of the 12 spies had a negative report. First, by the way, first of all, it sounds good. The man's a beautiful land. They all agreed it was a beautiful land. Man, the, 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 the vegetation life is great. The, 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 the life is great. I mean, there's so much potential in this land that God has given us. But, I have to throw in the word but. But, we can't have this land. And Moses like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, we went over there. And yet, the land is beautiful. But the people that live there, that we have to overcome, that we have to defeat, they are huge. In fact, we ran into some giants. And we faced these giants. We were like grasshoppers in their eyes. We were like grasshoppers. Anytime we lose faith in God, we become smaller in what we can do. We're grasshoppers. I call it grasshoppered. And sometimes we do that. We're grasshoppered. We forget what God has done, and we get small. And sin has a way of making God small. Sin has a way. Worry has a way. Anxiety has a way for us to retreat and to look at the circumstances and forget about what God has done. Have you ever grasshoppered? Have you ever said, oh, man, I don't know that I can do this. I know God has been faithful in the past, but, man, God wants me to do this now? Are you kidding me? Whoa, grasshoppered. Have you ever done that? Have you ever grasshoppered? I know I have. I know I have. There's been times where God is calling me to take a step of faith and say, God, I'm, I'm just really comfortable where I'm at. I'm comfortable right here. I, I feel like if I take a step, that I'm going to fall. That I'm going to fail. I grasshoppered. And you've done it too. You, you, you might be at, we might be, God might be calling you to be a volunteer to that late point, to serve. And you're like, man, I'm afraid if I, if I serve, I'm going to mess it all up. Grasshopper. You forgot what God had already been doing in your life. And you had to, man, this is to overwhelm me. I can't do it. You're grasshopper. 
I know when God had called me to ministry, that there were times where I just said, no, God, I can't. I'm deaf. You're going to call an 80% deaf guy to preach? You're going to, talk, you're going to have a guy that, that speaks with a British accent? I'm not from England. I got my cousin from England over here. Hi, guys. I said, no, I, I can't. Grasshopper. Finally, I had to get to a place where I had to overcome my anxiety, my worries, my fears. And I had to look back and remember, you know what? God has been so faithful. God has been so good. He's not going to drop the ball this time either. He'll do it again and again and again. And sometimes we forget. And because of the Israelites, because they had this negative report, oh, you know, we're like grasshoppers. By the way, there were two other spies, Joshua and Caleb. We remember those two guys because those two guys said, man, we can do this. We've got the power of God behind us. We can take this land. This land is ours. Come on, people, let's do this. But the ten people voted him out. The ten people went against them and said, no, it's impossible. And because of their lack of faith, God punished that generation. I said, this generation right here, the one that had no faith. You have seen so many amazing things, and yet you still lack faith in me. You will never claim this land. Your children will, but you won't. And for the next 40 years, you're going to wander in the wilderness until this generation dies off. And then when that happens, then the next generation, they'll have their chance. To either be a grasshopper or to be a man and woman of faith and just step out. And to remember my faithfulness in the past for carrying on through in the future. And so 40 years later, 40 years later, Moses, now he's older now. Uh, most of that generation have, have passed away. Except for Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two that were allowed to go in. But everybody else had passed away. And so Moses, he had a farewell challenge. He knew he couldn't go into the promised land. He knew his time was up. And he gives them a final charge. They're back at the bank of Jordan. I like to think that they were back at the same spot that they were 40 years ago. They're back at the same spot, maybe. And Jordan, uh, and, and Moses began to Give one last sermon. I want you to look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 7. In verse number 17. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But God said this. But don't be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out 
the Lord God will do the same to all the people you now fear. He's challenging them again. Don't, don't do what your parents did. Trust in me. You've seen, you've witnessed what I've done. And I've been faithful. And I will continue to be faithful. What is it that you, this morning, need to remember? Maybe it's a time when God moved mightily on your behalf. There was no way you could do it. God showed up and he did something. And you remember his faithfulness. You remember it. And in that time, it helps you because like all of us, we all go through this. We all go through times where we're, where we're really, really, really tight with God. And then there are other times where we feel more distance from God, right? We feel that. And in those distant times where we feel like God is so far away, that sometimes we can find ourselves beginning to doubt God's faithfulness. And we have to do this. We have to remember God's faithfulness. We have to go back to that place. We have to go back to the miracles of what God has done in our lives, the things that he's done, because it allows us to trust him in the present and in the future. We need to remember God's faithfulness from the past as it allows us to trust him in the future. Now, three things I want to just highlight real quickly. Three things. If you're taking notes, we need to remember God's promises. There are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. Over 3,000 promises. And God comes through on every one of those promises. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 4. Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world corruption caused by human desires. We have promises that enable us, that will empower us to share his divine nature. Over 3,000 promises. I don't have time to read all these verses. I put a list of verses. These are some of my favorite promises. I, I, I want you to do that this week. Take a look at those verses. And start claiming some promises in your life, and don't forget it. One of the best ways to remember a promise is to memorize a promise. I've got promises in my Bible that I have memorized. And I have them to me because in those moments where I feel weak, where I feel distant, I start going back to God's promises. So remember God's promises. Here's the second thing that we need to remember. We need to remember... God's word. We need to remember God's word. Psalm 119, verse 97. David in Psalm said this, How I love your instructions. I love it. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. Talk about his word. I'm always thinking... I'm always reflecting on your word. And I'm not going to forget it. I love Psalm 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. 
meditating on it day and night. They were like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. You want to be healthy? Do you want to grow in your walk? You've got to meditate on God's Word. You've got to love God's Word. You've got to focus God's Word. You've got to remember. You've got to make it a practice every day to spend time in God's Word. And I should spend time, meditate. I, I've, I've said it before, but meditate. The best word picture that I can describe is where a cow is chewing his cuds. All right? Anybody have a cow in, a, in Macomb Township? No, nobody owns a cow? Okay. All right. But you've seen cows. All right? And, and if you look up close, I mean, it's disgusting. I mean, you look in their mouth, they, they've, got, they've got this dry scum just coming out. And... and what they do is they, they take a bite of food, all right, and, and they just chew on it. They get all the nutrients out of that, you know, that mouthful of hay or that mouthful of grass. And then, then they do something that's really disgusting. Maybe you don't know this. Maybe you do. But they, they swallow it a little bit, and then they vomit it back in their mouth. They barf it back up. And they do this about three, four, five times. Because they let that stomach acid just work that grass or that hay. They just kind of work it in. And, and now it's got a new fresh flavor. That come, mm. The best piece of rib that I ever had, I was choking. Got stuck right here. Uh, and my buddies, you know, they said, hey, we got to get the... They didn't know. They were freaking out. I couldn't breathe. I, I do this. I'm like, I'm choking. I'm dying. I'm laughing. I was laughing. We were laughing about something. I was laughing. I'm dying. I'm crying all at the same time. <laughs> I got the big, giant piece of rib and uh, down in my throat. And I'm, okay, this is it. This is how I'm going to go. Not a bad way to go, really. You know, rib in your mouth. So my friend, they get around. They got nervous and... And there was a couple of police officers on their side. They saw that in the corner of their eyes. They, they come crashing through the restaurants, you know. And, and I'm kind of embarrassed now. I mean, I'm dying, but I'm embarrassed. It's like, man, really? We have to make a scene? And so they got around me, and they, you know, they gave me a nice little, uh, uh, you know, squeeze. And that good old rib had not been sitting here for who knows how long. Came back in my mouth. I got tears down my eyes because, I, you know, I'm laughing and crying and, and all this stuff. And my friends are freaking out. And I'm looking at the police officer and I... T- <laughs> mm. I was not going to let that rib go to waste. <laughs> down my gullet, it went back in. And I look at the police officer and say, man, that was good. Police officers, yeah, I said, yeah, they're laughing. They thought it was funny. They thought it was funny. I thought, hey, I'm going to make a joke out of it, right? And, uh, but my friends at the table, they're, just, they're like petrified. <laughs> I'm trying to give you some pictures of meditation. Is it working? <laughs> Meditate. <laughs> Spend time. Meditate. Time's like, man, stop, stop. Okay, I'll stop. Remembering God's word. 
focus on God's Word, meditating. Meditate on the Word of God. Here's the third thing we need to remember. We need to remember God's great action. Remember God's great action. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 8. The Apostle Paul, this was his theme, this was his message. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Never forget that Jesus rose again. He came back. A dead man. A dead man got back to life. He came back from the dead and walked again. And Paul's life was forever changed. And that was his message. Never forget that there was a man named Jesus who rose again from the grave. And because of his resurrection, we have hope. We have hope that at the end of this life, we can conquer death. We can overcome the grave. We have hope to never forget what he did for us on the cross. We need to remember about our salvation. We need to remember what he's done what he, with God's grace in our lives. Let me ask you a question. What kind of memories do you have in your life about God and his action? What kind of memory do you have? I remember back in 1982 in October. I was in second grade. I remember going to my parents' house. Well, I live at my parents' house, but going to my parents in my house. Mom and Dad, I need to know Jesus. And they took me into my bedroom and sat down. They went through the plan of salvation. They talked about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. They said that we, all be, we are all sinners. They asked me, Scott, are you a sinner? Have you ever done anything wrong? I said, yeah, I, felt, I still feel that spanking from yesterday. <laughs> That's because I did something wrong. I sinned. They said, because of your sin, because of your sin, you deserve eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from God. In fact, if you die in your sin, you will live in hell forever and ever. And I said, I don't want to go to hell. I want to have Jesus in my life. And it said, Jesus became a free gift, came into our lives. And said, you can simply ask him to come into your heart. You can simply ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he will come into your life. Here's the gift that you need so that you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. I said, I want to do that. Now remember getting on my little itty bitty knees. And I got prayed and asked Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. But because of what you did on the cross, I'm asking you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. 
I want to have a new life in you. And I remember that. I remember what God has done. And I remember waking up or, or saying amen, standing up from that prayer. And I knew that something was different. I knew there was a peace that I could not explain. I knew that I had a joy. I said, something happened. It's because God came to my life. And for some of you, you remember that. There are some of you here today. He says, God, I have no memory of asking questions in my life. I don't remember that. I've never asked Christ in my heart. Or not at least that I can remember. I I remember praying. I remember praying over food. I remember maybe talking about God. But there's never been a moment in my life where I say, God, I am a sinner. And I need you to come into my life and change me. And today, today could be a day where you could do that. I can't do it for you. Your, your husband, your spouse, your friend, they can't do it for you. Only you can come to a point in your life where you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. And I need him to come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me all my sins. He said, well, Scott, you don't understand where I've been. Scott, you don't understand what I've done. He said, God's grace goes deeper than your deepest sin. God's grace is there. God's grace is available to everyone. Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting, eternal life. Today, we're getting ready for communion. Communion can be a time for us to remember. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe some of you are going through a, a moment. Maybe there's a tough time going on this week. I pray that you'll remember God's faithfulness in the past, which will allow us to trust him in the present and in the future. But there also may be some of us here who don't know Jesus. And today as we get ready for communion, communion will not make sense to you unless you have Jesus in your life. If you take communion and you don't have Jesus in your life, then you're just eating a piece of cracker and a Jew. It does, it's not symbolic to anything that he's ever done in your life. But in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for you. Perhaps there is somebody here that says, I don't know Jesus. And today I want to make that decision. I want Jesus to come in my life. So that when communion happens, it actually means something to you. Because you're actually remembering what he actually did for you just a few minutes ago when he came into your life. After we pray, we're going to have our time of communion. I'll break that down. We'll talk about what that is. And we're going to explain our step-by-step 
as we focus on remembrance of what he did for us on the cross. But I close not looking around. The Scott, this morning, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is not in my life. And today, I want to ask him to come into my heart. Today, I want to change it. Today, I want Jesus to change my life. Today, I want this to be my defining moment where Jesus forgives me of my sins and change my outlook, change my perspective of life. I want to go to heaven, too, when I die. And so today, I want to change it. I want my life changed. You can simply do this. You can simply pray a prayer. You're not praying it to me. not praying it to anybody else. You can pray in the silence of your heart. You can pray like this. It's a dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I deserve hell. I know that I deserve eternal separation from you. But today, I am asking you to come into my heart. Come into my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. My sin from yesterday, my sin today, my sin for tomorrow and the future. All of my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life. I want your salvation. I want to have a new life in you. If you're here this morning, says, God, I've never done that before. But today, I really meant it. And I asked Jesus Christ, I asked God to send his son Jesus to my heart. If that's you, no one's looking. I just want to celebrate with you privately. I want to see who you are. But if you say, God, I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus to come to my heart. Will you simply raise your hand so I can celebrate with you? I won't embarrass you. No one's looking. If you say, God, I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus to come to my heart. Is there anybody like that here this morning here at Lay Point? Anybody here this morning ask Jesus? You pray that prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we prepare our hearts for communion, God, I pray that we will never forget your faithfulness. Your faithfulness in the past will enable us to trust you more in the future. You've never let us down. You have never let us go. We thank you for those who made a decision today. We thank you for those who need to remember what what you've done. God, pray for those that have anxiety and worry and fears. God, I pray that they stop grasshoppering. God, I pray that they would remember who they are in Christ. God, I pray that, that, that they never forget. And you're in my prayer. Amen.